Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Love Radio? Joy is now on iHeartRadio. Turn us on anywhere. You are on Joy 94.9 Saturday Magazine with Macca and Dave Ellen. Our next guest is uh, Greg Craven. And Greg, uh, I and correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, you and some of your colleagues, particularly at the Centre for Independent Studies, would like to put the centre-right approach to hearing Indigenous voices. I'll leave it for you to tell me if that is the case. Uh, I don't want to get it wrong. Sure. Well, I'm not connected with the Centre of Independent Studies, but I am director of uh, a body called Uphold and Recognise, which is really one of the very first uh, bodies in favour of the voice. Uh, And as I think you said before, we come from a centre-right perspective. So we published a paper uh, in the Journal of the Centre of Independent Studies that sought to explain why it is the case that uh, liberals or conservatives ought to be supporting this voice and why it's not simply uh, a progressive idea. It's something that we can all get on board with. So you can you flesh that out for us a bit, Greg. You know, I think a, a lot of a lot of folk would be surprised uh, that you know those on the you know right of centre um, do support a voice. You know, I think their view might be that that they don't. Yeah, look, it's it's quite ironic because, in fact, uh, I was there when The Voice was designed uh, and it was designed by uh, people like Noel Pearson uh, sitting down with a group of conservative uh, lawyers. Uh, The big discussion was actually in my office at the Australian Catholic University when I used to be vice-chancellor. And there'd previously been, if you like, constitutional radical proposals like a guarantee of, uh, against religious discrimination in the Constitution, which would have been enforceable by the High Court. Uh, the idea was to come up with something that didn't run against the Constitution, but actually ran with it. And so if you think of the Constitution, which is a essentially conservative document, uh, a voice doesn't do violence to it, a voice doesn't overrule it. Uh, it simply forms part of the constitutional conversation that we always have. So in fact, the voice is a, in a sense, consciously uh, conservative measure. Uh, and the idea is it's a lot easier to get people behind a, a cautious measure than a radical one. And I, yeah, I, I, I get that. I think that um, the more radical the proposal, the harder it is to get support for it. And, you know, taking a conservative approach to bringing about change to an, in, in a document that is conservative makes a lot of sense. I wonder, you know, when you see and you listen and, and you observe some of the debate that is going on, uh, there's a lot of discussion that people don't understand this or the government hasn't made the case or, you know, the opposition haven't made its final decision, the nationals have made theirs. Um, 
you know, do you, how do you feel about that? Do you despair or, you know, do you, you know, so I mean, part of us talking to you is to say, hey, this is a voice from the conservative side that wants to do this. Yeah, look, I'm a natural, natural peasant from my, my Irish background, but I don't <laughs> I'm an Irish catastrophist. If the cow has two, two calves, it's only because one's going to die. Um, no, I think, look, I think you've got to put it in this background that it's very hard to win referenda. Yeah. So we've had 44 referenda in our history and 36 have failed. That's, that's not a good scoreline. So you've got to start from the proposition that it's hard and you can't get annoyed about that. I think the crucial thing, and it's one of the reasons that Damien Freeman and I wrote that paper, is that it's pretty well impossible to get a referendum up unless you have bipartisan support. Uh, which means both conservative people and non-conservative people have to agree to it. Otherwise, you're not going to get that. Mm. Now, if I were to ask you when was the last non-bipartisan referendum uh, victorious in Australian history, you wouldn't be able to answer me because mm. there's never been one. Yeah. So it's <laughs> fundamentally important. Do you think, Greg, that um, you know the the role that you're playing? and, you know, Damien and others. If I can ask, when you engage on this, you know, are you predominantly trying to, you know, to, well, perhaps it is an assumption I'm making, but speak to that conservative base to say, hey, everyone, this is what this is about. It is actually a conservative uh, idea or concept. Get on board. Or are you taking, you know, by its nature a bit wider? Well, it'd be nice to think that people who were not just conservatives were sort of occasionally listening to the arguments, but fundamentally you're right. Um, you know, conservatives are naturally going to be suspicious of, mm. of change, um, and I think a lot of them probably are. So it's very important that we put to them that there is a conservative case uh, for this referendum. Uh, and, yeah, we, we try very hard to do that. It doesn't necessarily mean that everybody has to agree with us. I think that's one of the problems in this referendum. You can't stigmatise either people no. who say yes or people who say no as evil people. I mean, many of them are just decent people trying to do the best they can. But if um, if Uphold and Recognise doesn't support the conservative case for this, then there's going to be a paucity of it. And as I say, I think it's a conservative idea. It was an idea... Um, dreamt up by conservatives to try and uh, bring something into the constitution that was meaningful, that could get up and would work. Can can I ask, uh, Greg, how has this concept been lost to us? I had no idea of this history of the voice. I mean, the the backstory of it, so far as I have con was concerned, is that it stemmed from the Uluru State, from, from the heart, and then it just magically appeared in Canberra. How has this... Uh, to me, very eloquent history, just not made it into the narrative. Well, I mean, I think partly it's because the Uluru Statement from the Heart was just such a majestic uh, moral mm. event mm. that people naturally concentrate on it. So do I. I mean, it's the Uluru Statement of the Heart which really matters. Uh, this stuff is the backstage, if you like. But, you know, I think, I mean, it's the reality and it's real. I think really... Um, people like Damien Freeman and Julian Lisa, who was very involved in this, 
have always sort of taken a step back because what really matters is whether this is an idea that Indigenous people want to go forward with uh, and which satisfies their ambitions and can pass the referendum. So, you know, in 100 years, somebody may well go back and say, oh, this is very interesting, there's a backstory to this and so on and so forth. Uh, but the thing that really matters uh, is getting the referendum up uh, and making it something that is worthwhile to Indigenous people. Uh, and, and that's why I think the backstory's never been particularly important. Can I ask, Greg, there's, if my understanding is correct, the government and the opposition have agreed that when it actually comes to a vote that there will be, for want of a better word, a pamphlet that puts yes. puts the case. Um, how do you feel about that? And, you know, who do you think is going to write the no case and who do you think is going to write the yes case? Um, I think, well, I don't think the pamphlet is necessarily the best way to be doing this yeah. in about 2023. I concede that. Uh, I think it was a mistake for the government uh, to try and uh, suspend the pamphlet for this referendum, not because the pamphlet would be particularly brilliant, but because it's always, well, it's been there for a very long time and it naturally would look like and be misrepresented, I think, by opponents of the voice as saying mm. you're trying to rewrite it. So any, any value in, in dropping it off is counterweighted by the problem for the referendum. And I think I think the government recognised that, and that's why they, they moved away from it quite promptly. Um, the pamphlets, it depends on how they put the referendum. And normally, I think, the pamphlet is written by members of parliament who vote for or against okay. Right. So, and they obviously would have assistance from experts in the in the Republican referendum. And I was in the Republican referendum. I was, you know, one of the statutory committees that actually ran it. Uh, you had yes and no committees, and they effectively wrote the yes and no cases. Now, ironically, the pamphlet then did have an effect because on the Republican side, we decided we should be concise. So we wrote, you know, very very short but cogent arguments, and the result of that was that there were lots of blank spaces in the pamphlet, whereas the monarchists wrote at length, and there's some evidence a lot of people compared the two pamphlets, said, well, these guys have got a lot more argument than the others, mm. Uh, mm. they will vote for them. So it's, referenda are very odd, they're not like elections, uh, they have their own politics, and quite small things can produce very, very significant results. One thing we saw, and we're almost out of time, Greg, is during the marriage equality, the uh, postal survey, uh, that a lot of us on the uh, the side of supporting marriage equality, which obviously, I, well, not obviously, but I was one, when we engaged with people that opposed marriage equality, um, sometimes we made our case and made our arguments and almost got some of them over the line. I actually worked on saying, don't vote against it, abstain, don't vote. If you, you know, and, you know, that gives, you know, it gives extra strength to a, a particular point of view in some cases, obviously. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people that actually abstained and said, look, I don't want to make a decision about this. Uh, I'm not sure, but... I don't want to, and one of the things I used to say to people is, 
I just want you to think whether you want to be a person that actually voted against giving me equality in marriage. And I would, you know, I almost think that in The Voice, we need to say to people, do you actually want to be part of, a, of the group that actually denies a voice to Indigenous Australians? So I ask you to think, you know, think about that. That might be a, a tactic. I know that it worked to a certain degree in the marriage equality debate. Uh, perhaps it's something that might be worthwhile to explore in the run-up to the referendum. Yeah, I think there's an enormous amount to be said for that in relation to the plebiscite because the plebiscite really was an invalid measure with whatever oh, yeah. view you took mm. on the issue. So I think there would be a lot of people who said, look, if the government wants to do this, you should do this and go for an election on it. Um, we are not going to connive at this sort of phony popular vote, which in a sense is what it was. I guess the referendum is a little bit different because... Uh, the Constitution really does belong to every Australian. Yes. It's a fundamental document. So in a sense, if you if you refrain from voting, in a funny way, you're sort of saying, well... I don't care. Um, yeah, we, are, yeah we, we don't care. We're not prepared to be involved. So, I mean, obviously, from my point of view, I would hope people would vote yes. Yeah. And, I mean, w I would say to you that people who are inclined to vote no in referenda very rarely change their mind. Greg, just quickly, uh, just quickly, Greg, do um, are we giving this the gravity it deserves? I mean, I was a teenager when the referendum on the monarchy went through and it was weighty. It was an important decision. Are we giving this the attention it deserves? Um, well, I can tell you that this is vastly more important than a republic. <laughs> I mean, I, I wanted a republic but if it didn't happen and it didn't, I'm miserable, but, but there you are. Um, this one, uh, moral people can vote against it, but my own view is that if Australia votes against this, we would be a morally failed state. So it's much more important. That is the perfect line to close on, Greg. Thank you. Uh, thanks for making the time. Thanks for your work in this area. Uh, I really appreciate you know, what you've said today, I think mm. a lot of our listeners will have a, a new insight into this. Uh, podcast will be up soon. Thank you again, Greg Craven. Thank Bye. you, Greg. Thank you. Cheers. You are on Saturday Magazine, Joy 94.9. We are going to have uh, a break in a moment, which will take us up to midday. I wanted to thank our guest today, and it's been a pretty full-on show, Josh Burns, the member for McNamara, Georgie Purcell from the Animal Justice Party, Peter Khalil, who told us about uh, some of the committee work uh, that is happening in the Parliament. Uh, Sean Mitchell from the Women in Melbourne Women in Film Festival. Uh, Zoe Daniel had an extended chat with Zoe, uh, and she very graciously, just as Josh did and Peter did, but gave up half an hour of her Saturday if we stole off her family. So thank you, Zoe. Uh, and lastly, uh, Greg Craven. Mm. I think that was a pretty interesting interview. Uh, Indeed. You know, we found, we, you know, we heard some things that, uh, you know, I was aware of most of that, but, you know, Dave, my co-host, wasn't aware of it. Some of our listeners weren't. Um, you know, a lot of the time there's a reservation about having some of these discussions, but, you know, it's actually having that discussion. If only one person learnt something from that discussion with Greg Craven and that influences their vote, 
uh, then it's worthwhile. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.